0: Though the job losses we were experiencing earlier this year have slowed dramatically, we're still not creating enough new jobs each month to make up for the ones we're losing. And no matter what the economists say, for families and communities across this country, this recession will not end until we completely turn that tide.
1: Talking, talking,
2: Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Hannah Jaffee-Waltz.
1: And I'm David Kestenbaum. Today is Monday, November 30th. That was, of course, President Obama, you heard at the top, giving his weekly radio address last week. On the podcast today, I hand out $20 bills in hopes of saving the planet. We will explain that later.
2: (laughs) Yes, but first, our Planet Money indicator. It is 7.9%. That is the rate at which India's economy grew from July to September, huge compared to a year earlier.
1: And that, to me, is a reminder that developing countries, when they develop, they develop really, really fast. So it would be shocking if the U.S. economy grew that quickly. But in places like India and China, that's pretty normal.
2: Right. You think you've got millions and millions of people who are poor and many of whom are unemployed. But if you find them jobs, the economy grows really, really fast.
1: Right. They have, they have more room to grow than we do. And that is basically great, except for things like climate change, because a country's greenhouse gas emissions basically track a country's GDP gross domestic product so as the economy grows and more people buy cars for the first time more people now have electricity that means greenhouse gas emissions go up and up and up
2: right which doesn't just hurt India it hurts all of us and this problem is really really hard one to solve because it is a problem that the world needs to solve all together all of us and so far we do not seem to be able to figure out how
1: So economists call this category of problem um, a tragedy of the commons problem. Basically, you have a common resource like uh, a classic example is a a pasture, a public pasture, and all the farmers want to graze their cows on that pasture because nobody owns it. And uh, they, they have an incentive to do that as much as possible. But if they all do that, they end up overgrazing it, and you destroy the pasture, and everyone suffers. Right.
2: Fishing is another example that is often used. Um, so is the NPR New York Bureau fridge. Our bosses don't tell us, you know, you have to clean it out, so nobody does.
1: That is actually a perfect example for climate change because it's basically it's like a pollution problem, right? So uh, we all benefit by putting carbon into the atmosphere because it means we can generate pretty cheap electricity by burning coal, there's cheap transportation using gasoline. But in the end, we all lose because we don't have a messy fridge, but we, you know, we heat up the planet.
2: And now the tragedy of the commons, when it was first proposed in the 1960s, is something of a depressing scenario, you know, we go with this idea that we need some outside power, we need some governing authority to come in and say, these are the rules. And unfortunately, when it comes to climate change, there is no outside government. It's just us, the countries of the world, trying to agree on something.
1: Yeah, that was the original thinking, was that it was basically unsolvable unless you had some outside government. But there is some good news. In fact, Eleanor Ostrom, who won the Economics Nobel Prize this year, her work actually says that in small groups, sometimes we can solve the tragedy of the commons problems. And we had her on the podcast here, and when I heard it, it actually got me thinking about climate change. I wondered, you know, does she think there's any hope of us solving it? And I called her up, and she said she does have a hope, but it is not for some big treaty. It is for individuals and small communities to start solving it on their own.
3: I don't want us to wait around for the government Uh, to do everything. We're having a terrible time getting our governments to take this on.
1: In other words, you're not so sure that the leaders of all these countries getting together will be able to agree to something.
3: That's correct. Uh, And I'm definitely not sure they're going to do it soon enough, as, as soon as they should.
1: So what's the answer?
3: Well, that's why I say we've got to, instead of sitting around twiddling our thumbs and blaming it on them, People in communities around the world have got to take action themselves, and that's where face-to-face communication of um, uh, you know trying to get norms established at, at a small scale that uh, you shouldn't leave the house with all the lights on, and you shouldn't leave the house with the heat way up, and all of these other things that can add up to at least. Uh, reduce the speed of the threat, and um, maybe embarrass our international leaders enough that they will agree.
1: It's interesting that you brought up the idea of uh, of a sort of very local solution because, you know, I've talked to several people who say that it, that's impossible. That our only hope is that we uh, our leaders get together and sort of.
3: Is one of our problems. If we have a conception that oh, the only thing we can do is so we sit around and we twiddle our thumbs while these guys go to international meetings using airfare and using (laughs) airplanes, etc., see, I'm not opposed to international solutions. I'm not opposed, but I think we are stupid to sit around and wait and wait
2: and wait and wait. We are certainly not going to twiddle our thumbs here at Planet Money, David. No, we are going to play a game.
1: And we're going to play a game because that is one of the ways economists try to think through problems like this, which is by conducting little experiments, little games. We're in an area of economics here called game theory. And um, the question we're going to try and answer here is, is the one she posed. Can we solve the climate change problem on our own without government's getting together and signing some big treaty.
2: And again, clearly, this is in our collective best interest to solve. So can we do it? And if not, why not?
1: So the game we're going to play here was created by a German researcher, and there's real money at stake. Every player in it gets $40 to work with. And at the end of the game, they could walk away with some of that money or none of it, depending on how things go. So the assumption in the game is that climate change is coming and that if we do nothing down the road... It's going to be a real catastrophe. We're talking major environmental destruction, islands underwater, mass extinctions. Goodbye, polar bears. No more polar bears. But in the game, there is a way to stop it. Unfortunately, it means reducing our carbon emissions, which is going to be expensive. Solar power costs more. If you want to clean up coal plants by sticking the carbon they emit in the ground, that, that's going to be expensive.
2: And this is where the game comes in. And my money, David, my $40, please. I need it to save the planet.
1: <laughs> well, we uh, we played the game with virtual money. Uh, we did this Which over the computer. I was
2: very disappointed, by.
1: Yeah, sorry. I had to trick you. It was necessary. But, um, yeah, so, Hannah, this is this was your chance to save the world, so we got you and five other NPR folks to play. True NPR junkies out there listening will recognize most of the names except for one.
2: Yes, it is her very first day at NPR. Amy Stevens, she's our new boss here at Planet Money, and we thought we'd do what you do with a new boss. We tried to see how much money we could get out of her.
1: Hannah, don't forget you're supposed to save the planet. All right. All right, so Amy uh, Amy was an editor at the Wall Street Journal and then worked at Portfolio, and we are really, really happy to have her here. So we started by asking everyone to identify themselves and give us some clue as to how cooperative they might be. So you're going to hear everyone introducing themselves, and then we're going to play you some part of the 10 rounds of the game.
2: My name is Hannah Joffe walt and I, more than anything else, hate being cold. I really don't like being cold. So oh, I have to admit, I do tend to crank the heat a little bit.
1: And I am Dina Temple Raston, and um, I have a dog that looks very much like a polar bear.
2: <laughs> I'm Caitlin Kenny. I have the opposite problem of Hannah. I hate being hot. It's so hot in my building that last night, I have to confess, we turned on the air conditioning to cool it down in my apartment.
0: And my name is Mike Peskin. I should disclose that my paternal great uncle was teased mercilessly by SEALs. So I have no love for that <laughs> creature. Screw them and screw their habitat.
1: <laughs> and I'm Amy Stevens, and I have to confess that I get a little irresponsible with money. I'm an impulse buyer sometimes when it comes to shoes.
0: Well, I'm Uri Berliner, and and I will not wear a sweater under any conditions, so so take that.
1: Wow, it's looking grim. Okay, so so the way the game is played is this. Um, we can stop global climate change, Uh but in order to do that, I'm setting up a global fund that you can contribute to, and your contributions to the fund are basically you voluntarily spending money to reduce your carbon emissions, um, giving money to one of those plant a tree foundations that to offset your carbon emissions for your plane flights, or cutting back in some way that's painful to you, you know, like keeping the heat down or something. So the contributions are anonymous because let's face it, no one's really going to know if you bike to work instead of driving or if you set your thermostat to 58 in the winter. Um, Anyway, there are going to be 10 rounds. And in each round, everyone gets to contribute some money to the pot. And it can be $4, $2, or you could give nothing. Remember, you have 40 bucks to work with. Um, No one's going to know what you choose. And at the end of the 10 rounds, we see how much money is in the fund. And if it's more than a magic number, $120, then the world is saved. And everyone gets to keep the money they have left. But if we don't reach that magic number, there's a 90% chance of having really dramatic effects of climate change, in which case, you're going to lose all your money. So let me do a little math. There are six of us, and basically, on average, if you want to stop climate change, everyone is going to have to kick in 20 bucks, half of their 40 bucks over the course of the game for it to work, and it works out on average to about a $2 contribution per person per round. So it's definitely in everyone's interest to save the planet, because if we don't, we're probably going to lose all our money. On the other hand, if other, if you see as the rounds go by, other people are contributing, um, you may realize, hey, I can make a little extra money by not contributing. So anyway, it's your call, and we'll see how it works out. Are we ready to start? Yeah. Okay, begin round one.
2: I really hope everyone gives, because otherwise the planet's is getting destroyed. Mike Pesca.
0: I hope everyone, everyone gives. I know, I've given generously. <laughs> I really won't say how much, but...
3: <laughs>
1: All right, round one is finished, and we have a total of $12 in the fund. Uh, that is exactly on target for saving the planet. Okay, okay, that's the end of round two, and this round we only have $6 added to the pot, so...
2: Oh, ouch. Stingy
3: here. Mm. Alright,
1: this this round we only got eight, a little more than last round, but still shy of twelve and we are now had two rounds over those, below our those polar bears.
3: Can
1: we get some
0: polar bear noise or something like that? Or? If Pesca does his Wookiee noise. <laughs> right, right. See? See? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was a melting polar bear.
1: Okay, so round five we got ten dollars. Still lower than the twelve we had in the first round. I have the a here. I, c- I can tell you who's given the most so far. I know who is. <laughs> who is it? Who is it? <laughs> it's the nice one. I'm more interested in the stingiest. <laughs> well, we already know that. Mike,
0: <laughs> I'm not true. Sure you would be shocked. You might be surprised at the generosity. Uh huh. A man whose heart has been described as as big as all outdoors.
3: <laughs>
1: You're still shy. The total pot is 76, and we're supposed to be at 84. 84. Yeah. And we're mm-hmm. at 76. You're at 76. you are supposed to be at 84.
0: So we still have a shot of doing We have this. three rounds. We have three rounds. We're $8 behind. So if every, if four of us maybe give two more, I'm just advocating. If four of us <laughs> give two more than we have been giving, and I'll raise my hand, even though it's anonymous, you <laughs> <laughs> should do it. All right.
1: He doth protest too much. I'm protesting.
0: <laughs> just fundraising. You know, yeah. Here's the number yeah. to call. Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh. If you enjoy even five minutes a day of the environment, <laughs>
0: please call now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> All those
2: of you who have been holding back, this is the Why last Why are you looking round? at me? Right.
0: <laughs> Look, two times six won't do it. So come on, folks. Let's each put in four. I know I am.
1: It's so funny hearing what you're saying and seeing what you're doing.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. There's one I haven't gotten yet, and it all depends on how much this person gives. Really? Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Who is it? Pesca.
1: Pesca. Alright, folks. Oh god. Ooh. All results are in. Okay. All contributions are in after ten rounds. In the pot, we have 120.
0: No! no
3: that means we Did saved it? the world. We saved the
0: world. In fact, we were perfectly efficient at saving <laughs> the world. We couldn't have saved the world any better.
1: Now do, now, do you want to know who has the most left in their hot little hands? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, the most stingy? Was Mike Pesca, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> who spent ten, put just a measly ten dollars in the pot.
2: Ten dollars, <laughs> and oh, without
1: my ten dollars, by the way, and where would the 30? environment be? Um, who was the
2: most generous? Then David?
1: there would be Amy, the most and who generous the person, most <laughs> the
2: most oh. Oh. benevolent, the
1: most. <laughs> Dina Templest, oh. who gave twenty-eight, oh. nearly she
2: only did it for her dog, oh. nearly two-thirds of her
1: money, oh <laughs> nearly three-quarters of her money
2: to save your little
1: puppy. A one-woman <laughs> Atlas. Look, yeah. look at that. <laughs> So, Hana, one thing I like about this game is that you see how individuals, or even on a larger scale nations, are pulled in two directions. I mean, everyone wants to solve the problem, but if you're China, for instance, you know, you'd love it if the U.S. cut back, because after all, a lot of the carbon in the air came from the United States. But from the U.S. perspective... All the growth in the missions is happening in China and India and the developing world. So if those countries can cut back, then the U.S. says, well, we won't have to. And the other interesting thing is that you can see how people procrastinate. They kind of wait until the very last minute to do something. And, you know, it's exactly what we're seeing in the world right now. We have climate change meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. And the progress is very, very slow.
2: But, David, I feel pretty good. We, in the end, we saved the planet.
1: Hannah, you were the second most selfish.
2: (laughs) Oh, well, David, we saved the planet. It doesn't matter if I did it very efficiently.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, Hannah, the the sad news, actually, is that it, it turns out if you play this game over and over again with different groups, it does not always work out so well. I called up the man who invented this particular game. His name is Manfred Milinski. He's a researcher at one of the Max Planck Institutes in Germany, and he is not an economist.
4: I'm an, uh, a zoologist. I'm a behavioral ecologist.
1: Are there I'm animals that you often study?
4: Humans. <laughs> humans are also animals. So for zoologists, then humans is just another animal species. Does, uh, we work the, also with fish. So fish and humans. That's the that's our subjects.
1: So, Hanna, he played this game with lots of groups of students, and while we didn't play with real money, they did. Each person got 40 euros to start with, and if the game goes well, they maybe each walk away with half of that, 20 euros, which he says is a lot of money for them.
4: It's a nice dinner. So 20 euros is a lot of money for, for first semester biology student. It's a very nice dinner with wine and, and espresso and everything. So this is not something they easily earn in, in, in other places.
1: So Molinsky said when he designed the game, he expected people would cooperate and succeed because, again, it's in their best financial interest to do that. Because otherwise, they, you know, they're going to lose their money if they destroy the earth, right? And along the way, you know, they had some sense of progress. So he really thought they'd be able to do it. But that is not what happened.
4: To our surprise, only 50% of the groups made it. 50% failed.
1: So in half the cases the world was destroyed in half the cases yeah. we saved the planet even
4: though saving the world would be in cash the rational strategy for everybody they failed even though after each of the 10 rounds they were shown what all the six people decided but i think if we extrapolate to the huge game with six billion people playing it then we would expect that because Information is is not that concrete, so people don't know where we are. They don't know what has been invested, what is missing. And uh, obviously, if you have larger group sizes, it's much harder to achieve cooperation. So we we really expected these six people would do it. And if not even six people can make it, then six billion people wouldn't make it anyway.
1: It sounds like what your experiment is doing is really just trying to figure out how humans are wired as economic actors.
4: That's true, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and you find that there are some people who are uh, altruistic, but there are some people who are more self interested, and there are some people in the middle. And when you put them all together, we don't tend to do very well at solving these kinds of problems.
4: That's true. So I assume that people are uh, actually, perhaps with some exceptions, selfish
1: you think fundamentally you consider the basic state of, of of humans to be self-interested
4: i think so yeah well this shows this is shown in, in, in many experiments that people are altruistic when it pays off only if it pays off later personally for them so you're altruistic in one situation you give something but only when you're sure that this would be repaid in another situation. What we had lots of experiments on that topic, and it always turned out to be the case that people are aware of being observed in this situation. And when they are not observed, then they are not altruistic.
1: What about uh, the case of someone who throws uh, him or herself on a grenade to save their their colleagues in war?
4: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there are some exceptions. There are some altruists. I, I, would not, I would not insist of everybody being purely selfish. There are some altruists.
1: But not enough to save the planet here. They are too few, I think.
2: Okay, well, I mean, this, this game is just a game, but it does give you some sense for why it's hard to solve the problem.
1: Yeah, and Milinski is a zoologist, actually, and he had some scientific insight into that. And his take is that evolution has basically wired us to solve short-term problems. And I like to think, you know, we're, we think about some technological fix, but, you know, we're focused on our own immediate survival. Uh, we are not really wired to weigh the long-distant future
4: this is a problem that uh, we for which we could not evolve the best rules we are not prepared to to care for for the future we devalue some expected values in the future so if you offer a chimpanzee one banana now and 10 bananas uh, after four hours he would go for the one banana now and this works with humans as well we have uh, sayings for example in, in Britain we have the saying one bird in the hand is worth two birds in the bush which means uh, the little thing you can just get now is uh, has a higher value than, than the big gain which you might get later So, and this is something which we have to overcome rationally now with the climate gain we have to care for the future.
1: It's and interesting, though, because what you're describing there is also the very thing that makes us so successful, I think, eco- economically also, right? Yes, we sort of of, course. We're constantly trying to value risk. And,
4: yeah. You know. This usually pays off. So this is uh, for, for, for many tasks that we have to fulfill. It's a good rule. But for this task, it, it, it is a very bad rule, which wouldn't make it.
1: Do you keep designing these games, hoping that one time they will come out differently, but they never do?
4: Yes, this is exactly what we do. But we hope to find circumstances under which the result will be cooperative. This is what we really try to do.
1: But so far?
4: So far, negative.
2: No, David, I think we can overcome this and not end the podcast on a pessimistic note. We are not chimpanzees. I'll take the 10 bananas tomorrow. We get it. I get it
1: he he makes that point he says you know the great thing is that as a species we have, we have foresight you know we can we can look into the future we realize this is a problem and we realize it's a problem with our biology and it's hard for us to do it you know so he he thinks we're aware of the problem and, and maybe it's solvable, but it, you know, it is a, it, it's a huge task, right? We're basically talking about redoing the way we handle energy all over the world.
2: So I'm not sure we want to say he thinks Eleanor Ostrom's idea that people and communities can individually contribute is necessarily wrong because she has some very specific ideas about how you might set something up, maybe with one community competing against another or something like that.
1: Yeah, he does say he thinks our best hope is for our leaders to sort something out. He sees that actually as our only hope, really.
2: All right. Well, let us know what you are hopeful about. You can reach us on our blog at npr.org slash money, where you can also find a video of the music that you heard in the background of us playing the game. It's by the king of eco rap, Lil Peppy. And he is actually very little. It's at npr.org slash money. I'm Hannah Jaffi Walt.
1: And I'm David Kestenbaum. Thank you for listening.